Um, first and foremost, find out who your council members are. Um, go to your sheriff department. Find out who um, animal control. Um, talk to them. You want to start on a local level. You, I mean, everything starts on a local level, and um, because those are the ones that's going to really be the ones that's going to affect change, good, bad, or indifferent. Welcome to the Wear Wag Repeat podcast. I'm Tori Mystic. As a dog mom lifestyle expert, blogger, and business owner, I love talking to other women in the pet industry and sharing their advice with you every week. Sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. I'm excited to share today's episode with you because I think this guest will inspire you to get active in dog advocacy in your community. Kelly Parker is a dog trainer and pit bull advocate. In this conversation, she shares advice on how to get involved in local policy changes that can affect our pets. Most importantly, she recommends starting with kindness and just putting yourself out there to local leaders. She also shares how fostering adoptable dogs led her to pursue dog training. It was very hard to part with the foster pups, but now Kelly gets to help new dogs all the time. Safety is her number one priority, and I especially loved hearing how she approaches the dog park with her clients. Before we dive into the interview, though, I just want to take a moment to thank everyone who's left a review for the show in Apple Podcasts this month. Your reviews help me figure out what it is that you love most about the show, so I can do more of that. During the month of July, I'm hosting a giveaway. One lucky reviewer will win a $50 gift card to the Wear Wag Repeat shop. Just open the Apple Podcasts app and leave your rating and review to be entered. I recently got this one from Chelsea, who you can find on Instagram at Canine Curiosity. She says, I started listening to Tori a few months ago and haven't stopped since. I am in the car a lot as a dog trainer, and being able to learn while driving is a dream. This podcast is super informative and insightful for any dog lover. I'm literally obsessed. Thank you so much, Chelsea. That really means a lot to me. All right, now back to the episode with Kelly. Kelly Parker is the founder of Bully Brigade and All Dog Training. She started her business in 2013 in the Fredericksburg, Virginia area, and in 2019 expanded into a beautiful space in Hanover County. Before starting her business, Kelly was a volunteer and foster for various breeds of dogs from local rescues. She just couldn't sit on the sidelines while many dogs died in shelters due to lack of space because of their breed or that their owners could no longer care for them. She's passionate about keeping all dogs in their homes and out of shelters. As a dog trainer, Kelly focuses on the safety of the community, dogs, and educating dog owners of their responsibility. Kelly is an advocate for pit bulls and stepped up to the challenge of repealing the pit bull ban in Charles and Prince George counties in Maryland. Kelly, along with the residents of Charles County, Maryland, led a successful campaign against the Charles County Commissioner's Office, leading the county to abandon the idea of a pit bull ban. 
Hi, Kelly. Hi, how are you? I'm doing very good. How are you? I am awesome. Thank you for asking. And thank you for this awesome opportunity. I greatly appreciate it. Of course. I'm I'm so excited to meet so many new people. Um, you know, we were talking before we hit record that there's a lot going on in the world and, and not everything happens in the most ideal way, but we have been able to meet so many new people and um and these are people that we can now know for the rest of our lives. So that's, a, you know, a nice silver lining. And there's so many talented people I've met in the pet industry. Um, and I'm really excited to hear about you and, and how you got into dog training. So, you know, I read in your bio that you, you used to volunteer and foster various different dogs. How did you even get into that in the beginning? Um just the mere fact that I just love dogs. I love animals as a whole. Growing up, I wanted to be a zoologist, actually. Um, I absolutely love animals. I love nature. And um, as I got older, of course, life happens. And my son was just crazy about dogs. Uh, he, he would go with his dad during the summer and he, he would come back and he would just talk about king, 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 king. And I'm like, look, I'm sick of King. And I told him once we get a house, of course, we will, um, you know, we'll get a dog, you know, the traditional, um, we'll, yes, wait till we get a dog. I'm um, wait till we get a house and then we'll get a dog. And then when we got the house, I was like, well, can, can we now get a dog? And so um, I really didn't know where to begin. And actually it was a couple of my coworkers at the time who told me about um, local rescues. And I was like, okay, well, let me just see how it goes. That I'd rather foster then, you know, get a, you know, to get a dog. And then I'm like, okay, this is just too much, so on and so forth. So long story short, um, I, you know, found this local rescue and where I ended up adopting my very first pit bull, Sasha, who was the absolute world to me. And Sasha was a pit bull in every sense. Um, she loved people, dogs, not so much. <laughs> and so with that being said, um, I wanted to help as much as I possibly could, but I was like, okay, I didn't want to take on another dog. But there were so many dogs that needed help. So I said, okay, well, she's good with puppies. And so that's how I started. I just started out with puppies. And as she got a little bit older, um, we were able to bring older puppies into the picture. Um, then I ended up adopting my second um, pit bull from the same uh, rescue that I was actually, that I got Sasha from and I was fostering from. And he was the opposite. He loved dogs, people, not so much. And so he, we would always get the most fearful dog and Crush would always grab, all the dogs would gravitate to him. But he made me the trainer that I am today, the dog owner and the dog trainer that I am today, because he had so many issues. And I just thought that I was just so prepared for everything. And I so was not, but um, just seeing so many dogs in need. I mean, it's really interesting because you don't know until the blinders come off. Until you get into that community, you really don't know the horrific stories. You can hear about it on TV, but it's something totally different to see it up close and personal. And um, my heart just broke for the dogs. And um, that's where my little Zen zone, I would just, I don't know, dogs just put me into my little Zen zone. And to see each dog, I mean, it broke my heart every time we fostered a dog and they would get adopted, I would cry. And my kids would, mom be, are you going to be a hoarder? <laughs> and I, you know, just the purpose of fostering is to, you know, get the dogs where they need to be and then move on. 
And it was, it's really hard. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a love hate thing with me because I love seeing them, you know, come in, but I hate to see them go. And so I was just like, okay, and I just need to stop because I'll just keep all the dogs. And the next thing you know, um, I'll be on TV. Yeah, you're going to be on the news. Be a hoarding case. <laughs> the dogs will be, they'll be taken care of, but you know, it's still a hoarding case. So yeah, so that's how I actually got started. And, um, and I just started a chick with pits. That's, that was my name back then. And, uh, and I just, I didn't want to train. I just wanted to be a true advocate. I just wanted to be a voice for pit bulls and being a voice, being an advocate. It was great um, because it gave me an opportunity to meet so many people. Um, it gave me an opportunity to, to be, um, at the, uh, the general assembly in Maryland to, you know, fight the pit bull ban in PG County, which is still going on. Um, just a couple of pieces. It's always a couple of people. <laughs> just a couple of people that are stopping it, but we're get, making a lot of progress. And I just felt as though that it just wasn't enough because they, even though I was out there advocating and I'm educating people, it just wasn't enough. And I just said, well, what else could I possibly do? And I mean, I already knew how to train dogs, so that wasn't a problem. And so I just said, hmm, because I was doing it for family and friends. But then I was just like, mm, I felt bad for people to pay me for something that I absolutely love to do. And, you know, my son, you know, we had a, a, a talk and he said, OK, mom, this is what you want to do. You like this house? He's like, because I like this bed that I sleep in. You know, <laughs> He's like, you just can't keep doing everything for free. And I was like, OK, this is true. This is true. So um, it evolved from, you know, from fostering adopting to, I mean, like I said, I still advocate, um, but, you know, now I'm more hands-on and now people, not only am I advocating, but people see that I apply what I'm talking about. And so that helps to, you know, to change people's minds because they see me out in public because when I train, I do real life training. I don't just do training and a facility we are out and about. We are out in the community. And you you will be so amazed at how many people, number one, are scared of dogs, big, small, or indifferent. Um, you'll be so surprised at how many people are very welcoming, especially um, companies, businesses are very welcoming when it comes down to, um, to when I come in with my dogs to train, as well as you'll be so surprised at how people will respond, or I'd like to say they react how people like to react when they are faced with their fear. And, um, and so with all of that is a learning experience and it's helped me to be a better person, a better trainer and a better, a better educator, because I always tell my clients, I'm an educator first. I have to educate you because you come in here with one way of thinking, or you may come in and you don't know anything. And now I provide you with the tools that you need, as well as the information that you need to make a better educated decision on what tools to use, what tools not to use, why you want to use this, why you don't want to use this. How do you get your dog to do this, that, and the other? So I'm an educator first, then I'm a trainer. And so putting all of that together, the advocacy part literally um, embodies all of that. And so that's how I'm able to be effective and um, create change. It sounds to me like you're a people trainer and not a dog trainer. <laughs> yes, yes. 
You have to, you know, this is one of the things that really bothers me about the animal community when it comes down to uh, trainers. I really dislike when people say, oh, if I could just deal with the dogs, then I mean, I would just be happy. Okay, well, the dogs are not paying you. So if you have that attitude towards people, who wants, how are you getting clients? Who wants to train with you? Because people buy from people that they like. And so you want to make sure that you have a return on your investment. Well, they want to make sure they get a return on their investment. They're investing in you just as much as you are investing in their dog. So you have to invest in them because if you don't, then you have nothing. You're right. And people, people won't even question your fee if they like you and you're respectful and kind to them, then it's easy to charge for your services. Exactly. Exactly. And then people will understand that, oh, okay, um, this may be your fee and I may not be able to, you know, to pay everything, but they will make a way if you, if you put that time in. And that's the other thing. I'm, as a matter of fact, I had a perfect example. There was, um, I had a potential client call me and her situation, you know, she's disabled, she's getting ready to have surgery, but she wants to have training. And so I told her, I said, well, I understand what you're saying, but if you're getting ready to have surgery, I will refuse to, you know, to work with you right now because you need to focus on you first. Um, if your dog is a problem, you know, hopefully you have someone there that'll be able to help you to kind of curtail. Um, I said, I can, you know, walk you through a few things because she had minor things, but she had a small dog. So I was like, okay, this is something minor, something that you can do. And she was very, very grateful. She said, you know what? Thank you so much for that. She was like, I'm definitely going to call you, you know, after I, you know, finish healing. And I said, because I, in good conscience, there was no way that I could uh, take this lady's money knowing that the process that she's going to be going through, that she has to heal herself first so that she could be there for her dogs. So I was just like, yeah, no. But the the information I was able to provide her with, she was grateful. And she, you know, ended up calling me back and said, she was like, it worked, it worked, it worked. So I definitely will be calling you back. That's so awesome. it's not, you know, the other thing to that is the caveat to that is it's not always about money as well. It's about building relationships. Yeah, that's true. Um, before we, before we kind of like get off topic, you were talking about the pit bull advocacy work, and I know that there are so many cities that still have pit bull bans. And as an advocate who who has gone in front of the general assembly and everything, how how would you recommend that people start to try to make a change in that way? Should they call? Should they show up? Should they write letters? Like, what's the best thing to do to fight a pit bull ban like that? Oh, do it all. Um, first and foremost, find out who your council members are. Um, go to your sheriff's department. Find out who um, uh, animal control. Um, talk to them. You want to start on a local level. You, I mean, everything starts on a local level, um, because those are the ones that's going to really be the ones that's going to affect change, good, bad, or indifferent. And so, a lot of times, people do not know who their local um, officials are. And you don't find out about them until a week or two before there is a um, an election. And then, of course, you see posters everywhere. So what you can do is you can be, um, get on the um, election board. So that's one way that you can find out, you know, who your local officials will be, your sheriffs, your um, your prosecutors, you know, things of that nature. You can find out everything 
if you just volunteer, you have to, I mean, that's the most important part. You have to volunteer, you have to do your research, and then you start just connecting with people. All of a sudden, you know, you go and see one person or you, you post something, hey, did you know about this? Did you know about that? And you just build on that. And then you start contacting, you start sending an email. Um, some people do still accept snail mail. So you can send an email, snail mail, and then you could just pop up whenever there. Um, usually there is a meeting. I want to say, I think it's like once a month. Find out when, the, when those meetings are. Go in and just sit in. It could be, it may not be of anything of interest to you at that moment, especially when it comes down to um, ordinances and like zoning. Um, you, they, I do believe that most of them hold theirs on Tuesday. I think it's like Tuesdays or Wednesdays around 6 or 7 p.m. Um, I know that there, there's some changes, I'm pretty sure, because of um, the current environment that we're in right now with COVID. However, the, go online, go into your government site, your local um, county site. That's another way you can find out who your um, local um, your local elected officials are. Go into those meetings. Go like before. Usually, like I said, they're around, they start around 6 or 7 o'clock. Get there around, you know, 5.30, 5.45. Go and introduce yourself. Hi, how are you? You know, I am a part of um, this county or this ward or what have you. And just start making yourself known. Um, you know, like I said, you can do it subtly. Uh, well, I'm just, yeah, I'm just a rebel without a cause. <laughs> I have a cause, but I'm just like, yeah, I'm just like Tasmanian devil. I just bust in the door and just like, hey. I'm, I'm here. Like between Yo <laughs> Sam and exactly Yo Sam and uh, <laughs> and Tasmanian Devil. So um, you know, but you know, just going and that's a, a firm way for you to be able to for people to know who you are, and then you can find out what what's on their mind. What do they think about you know certain elements of um, of whatever you have going on as far as your advocacy. And nowadays, people are so pet friendly yeah. that a lot of people are willing to listen now. Um, so it was very unfortunate that um, in Denver, Denver had finally overturned the pit bull ban. But then I think it was the mayor. You know, he was like he he came up with with some bogus excuse. But then again, you can't let that setback set you back because mm-hmm. he's only going to be there for a little bit longer. Keep going at him. Keep talking, you know, just keep being in their face. You know what? Like I said, whether it's email, whether it's um, whether you send them nice cards. I mean, I've done that. You know, hey, it's just me. I just want to let you know I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. You know, just you just want to be persistent. That's the most important thing. And you want to be polite. You know, you don't want to be rude because, of course, there are times that they will be um, a little rough around the edges and you don't want to meet them at that point. So mm-hmm. you just want to just, you know, keep moving forward, you know, send them a card. Hey, this is just me. I just want to let you know we met. Um, unfortunately, you know, you might have had a bad day that day, but these are the list of my concerns. And so and they go in there with a plan. That's the other thing too. go in there with a plan. Go don't go in there telling them what the problem is, because we already know what the problem is. You want to go in there with a um I don't want to say um, um, a foolproof plan because nothing is foolproof, but I have gone in with solutions and believe it or not, even though I didn't see anything happening at that time, um, I was out in Laurel, Maryland, and I met with the mayor of Laurel and he, I, I mean, I had a, 
I want to say it had been about a 10 page um, PowerPoint presentation. And, you know, I, I told them why the pit bull ban was horrible. I gave him some numbers. I told him, you know, this is what we can do. I gave him some solutions. And he's like, can I take this? I mean, even out of the 10 pages, he took, I think, like two pages. And those were the ones that had the solutions on it. Now, if he wanted to turn it into his own personal solution, well, this is what I came up with. And that's fine. But I still have my paperwork to say that this was mine. <laughs> that this was my idea. So go in there with a plan so that they know that you mean business and that you're just not, you know, just blowing, you're not there to blow smoke or to take up their time. That's such great advice. And I think that um, there are so many little things in terms of like government policy that we can do to make a difference for dogs. There's like ordinances about um, dogs being chained up outside and being in cars and, um, you know, are there dog parks in your community? There are so many different things that you can advocate about to make your community better for dogs. So I hope everyone that that was like a good little schooling on what to do and what not to do. So I hope everyone will will go out and, you know, be active. I think that's awesome. Um, so Kelly, now to talk about like the dog training side of things, um, what what are some of your like hallmark methods of dog training that that you rely on? I go with whatever the dog gives me. Um, literally whatever the dog needs, whatever he or she tells me that he or she needs, that's what I go with. Um, literally I go in there, I have a somewhat of a plan, but not really because one of the things that I have realized is there's no one way to train. There's multiple ways to train and what worked for one dog may not work for another dog or will not work for another dog. So when it comes down to tools, uh, my go-to is usually a um, six-foot leather leash and a choke chain. That's usually, that's my go-to. That's my staple. However, if a dog um, needs a prong collar, I have a prong collar. If a dog needs a muzzle, I have different sizes of muzzles. Um, if the dog, um, I've only used the e-collar on the dog, a deaf dog. That was it. Um, but if a dog, usually they just need to know what their boundaries are. Tell me what my boundaries are and I'm going to try to push them. But if you don't let me, you know, step over that line, then I'm okay with that. And so that's how I, that's how I learned how to train. And my mentor reinforced that in me. Uh, William Parker, phenomenal man, phenomenal. Look him up. He's phenomenal. But um, yeah, that's, that's what I go with. Whatever adult, when I, I mean, I usually go in there, like I said, with my leather leash, my choke chain, but sometimes a dog, you know, will come up and they they're perfectly fine with the nylon leash. I mean, mm-hmm. nylon collar. Mm-hmm. They just need the, um, a longer leash. I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, There's so many arsenals in my toolbox that I don't even use. And so um, I, my garage is full of stuff that I have just because I just want to be um, aware of. I like to, like, again, I'm an educator. So I want my clients to know, Hey, I use this because of this. I do not use this because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people like to use treats. I don't use treats typically when I train because I need the dog to listen to you because you told him or her to not because they hear crumpling of paper. No, because what usually happens is the, the owners typically tend to get lazy. And they typically tend to, because they want a fast response, what they they do is, okay, you're not listening to me. 
then they'll crumple up some paper and, or, you know, they go get the treat and then a dog will look and say, oh, okay, I get a treat. And then they sit down and like, give me a treat, give me a treat, give me a treat, give me a treat. And then next thing you know, they give them a treat. And then what does the dog do? The dog goes back to the misbehavior. That's not training. The, the yeah. dog trained you. That's what just happened. <laughs> exactly. I, I just, I cringe when I am at the dog park and I hear someone yell, come, come, and nothing happens. And then they yell, treat, <laughs> and the dog comes running and I'm like, oh my God, I don't think you're doing it right. <laughs> exactly. And then the other thing, I'm so glad that you brought that up because dog parks are, yeah, are the bane of my existence. I can't. I, I know a lot of dog trainers hate dog parks. Yeah, but as I mentioned, I mean, as you and I were talking before we started recording, it's the people. Mm-hmm. It's not the dog. So people bring their high energy, their um, misbehaving dogs to the dog park because they're like, okay, they're thinking that I'm giving my dog an opportunity to get rid of some energy. But what actually is happening is that pent up energy from being at home or being in a cradle, wherever they have been now going to, they know they're going to the dog park. So they're excited even more. So their brain is in overdrive. And by the time you get to the parking lot and, you know, I'm pretty sure you've seen the videos where people are showing their dogs, their dogs are jumping, you know, from the front to the back, um, you know, doing circles and they're making, they're making high pitched noises because they're at the dog park. They think that it's cute, but it's not cute. Your dog is basically in a frantic state of mind and then you let your dog out of the uh, out of the door i mean out of the car now your dog is dragging you like a cartoon character to the park and then you just let them go out and so their brain is on a million they're running around you thinking that they're having a good time but in all actuality they're in overdrive mm-hmm. and so then that's where you have um, that's where the issues come in at but so that's one issue the other issue that you brought up, which come, mm-hmm. 99.9% of dog owners are doing using the, the command wrong, what, especially at dog parks. What they do is they tell their dogs to come to them when it's time to leave. Who wants to leave? Okay, now you, got, you have my brain on a million. Now you're telling me I'm running around. Dog hasn't had any opportunity to decompress at all. Now you're telling me to leave. No, you're telling me to come and then I come and then you put the leash on me and then we go home. No, that's not the way that it works. So the way that I um, that I teach my clients to do come especially Well, this is just in general, but especially at dog parks, have your dog come to you often. Um, you know, so what I mean now, the way that I introduce the dog park to my clients who insist on taking their dogs to dog parks, we literally walk around the parameter of the dog park. So every dog that's already there has an opportunity to smell my client's dog in a safe zone. So the it's safe, my client's dog can smell them, they can smell my client. We walk around, we do this for about a good five minutes because at that point. The dogs are like, oh, okay, yeah, they're not coming in. And then by this time, my clients' dogs have their brain has gone to five, four, three, two, one. They've gone into a calm state. When they are relaxed, the owner is relaxed. Then the I always call it a holding cell, but the or the holding pattern from where right before you walk into the um, walk into the open area of the dog park, 
I let my, my clients, we sit there for about a minute or two. So then again, they're coming in before they go in, all the dogs rush to the gate. They're like, okay, you're finally coming in, but they're, they're smelling. They're like, oh, this is the same dog. Okay. And so they tend to disperse. My client is calm. Then we walk in, we still walk around with the leash on the dog. And then after all of the dogs have had their opportunity to smell, because of course I already know who the what problem dogs are. So I'm like, okay, we want to stay away from that. You know, of course I, I'm all about safety. So I, I stand in between my client and any other dogs, because if anyone is going to be attacked, I'd rather it be me and not my client. So um, once we do all of that, then without notice, I just, I'm like, okay, release your dog. And then by this time, now everybody, um, usually the problem dogs are usually gone. Um, everybody, all the dogs have had an opportunity to, to smell because everybody smelled each other. It's been about a good, by this time, it's about a good seven, eight minutes. So now you can have an enjoyable time. So yeah. once we're in the dog park, I tell my client, okay, now call your dog. And of course, if you're in a, it's an exciting environment. Dog is free. It's having a good time. It's meeting new friends. But I need you to call your dog. So you go over. So the dog, if the dog doesn't initially come, go over there, get your dog. You know, just guide them to you. Once the dog comes, give them a whole bunch of love. Good job. You're such a good boy. You're such a good girl. Now go back and play. Now when it's time to go, you do that a couple of times. Now when you call your dog, your dog is happy to come to you because they're like, okay, I want to get a little bit of love. And then I get to go back out and play. And so then when you're ready to go after maybe 10, 15 minutes, however long you want to be at the dog park, then you can, when it's time to go, your dog is like, okay, yeah, I'm ready to go too. I've had enough fun. So that is the way that come should be done on a regular basis. I wish that everybody knew this. And I wish that everyone did this at the park. That is, that was the smartest thing I've ever heard about taking your dog to the dog park and just like being patient and taking your time. And like, I think everyone, especially in our culture today is like rush, rush, rush. You know, I got to take the dog to the park and then I got to do this and then I got to make dinner and like this and that. It's like, just calm down. It's, you know, it's like when I see people walking their dog like on the sidewalk and they're on their phone and they're, and they're doing this. And I'm like, put your phone away. This is going to like a half an hour or maybe like 10 minutes of your day to just focus on you and your dog. And, and people you know, I don't, I don't think it's like their fault. I just think they just don't, haven't thought about it in that way. Exactly. And that's what I always tell my clients as well, is that you have to bond with your dog. Training, walking your dog, training your dog is all about bonding. Everything has to, it has to be cohesive. If not, because whatever happens at home is what's going to happen outside. So if your dog, you know, you want to go for a walk, you want to go for outside? You want to go outside? You want to go outside? And then your dog's like, ah, ah, yes, yes, yes. You know, your dog is frantic and running around and you thinking it's cute and then they're jumping up on you. And then next thing you know, you open the door and now your dog is bolting. And you're like, well, why did you just do that? I need help. My dog, my dog doesn't know how to behave inside. Well, look at what you just did. And then they're like, oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Yes. So if you knew that it was time for you to go to the beach, wouldn't you be excited? You know, whenever you were a kid and you you know you went to your favorite place, whether I don't if it was a restaurant, whether it was an amusement park, swimming pool, whatever it was, you knew how excited you got. All of a sudden, if your parents told you the whole house has to be clean 
before we go anywhere. You're going to clean the house two days before because when, when this particular day comes, you're ready to go. It's, you're going to wake your parents up. It's like Christmas. You're going to wake your parents up. The Santa Claus come. The Santa Claus come. Can we go now? So you have to think about that. And that's the way that I talk to my clients. I talk to them in lamest terms, in terms that they understand or situations that they understand. And then they're like, you know what? That makes so much sense. And I'm like, yeah, now apply that to your dog. And so now you're wondering why your dog is running around like a chicken with his head cut off is because you're creating that excitement. And once they understand that, they're like, oh, okay. And then when they try it and when they see it, they're like, it worked. It really did work. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. I get that all the time. And they, they're like, you do know what you're talking about. This was well worth it. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Kelly, I'm having so much fun talking to you, but like the time is flying by and, and we're like at the end of our episode. So tell everyone where they can find you online so they can get to know you more and learn more about your training and everything. Sure. You can um, follow me on Facebook at bullybrigadetraining.com um, on it. At Bully Brigade Training and Facebook on, um, I'm on Twitter, but I really don't use Twitter that much, but at Chick with Pits, C-H-I-C-W-I-T-H-P-I-T-S. And same on Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram, which is um, at Chick with Pits. Make sure it's C-H-I-C, not C-H, um, not C-H-I-C-K. Don't put that one in. It's C-H-I-C-W-I-T-H-P as in Paul, I-T-S. And you can also um, go to my website, bullybrigadetraining.com. You can see all the services that I provide. And yeah, I'm here for you. Anything that you all need. Um, Like I said, I'm very active on Instagram. Uh, Lately, I've been a little bit, I've been taking a little bit of downtime, but I do plan on getting back onto my videos. So you could DM me only good things. Don't DM me with anything crazy because I've had some crazy things going into my DMs. I'm not even going <laughs> to ask. Or you can, uh, <laughs> yeah, or you can respond to any comment. Uh, you can put your comments on, um, on anything that I have posted, or you can email me um, info at bullybrigadetraining.com and I'll get right back to you. Good. Well, everyone, um, connect with Kelly. She's obviously a wealth of knowledge about dogs and dog breed advocacy and everything. And just, you know, I think the, the moral of the story is bond and connect with your own dog. So thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you. What did you like most about this episode? Find me on Instagram at TMystic and let me know what intrigued you or what questions you have about starting or growing your own dog-inspired business. You can also screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. I love to see who is listening out there. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode, right? So track me down over on Instagram or Join the Wear, Wag, Repeat Labs Facebook group to connect with other dog-obsessed entrepreneurs. And as always, you can find all the links and resources discussed in this episode at wearwagrepeat.com slash podcast. See you back here next week.